the leadership and, 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 and I, we've been praying for us as a church that we would have the right perception of what it is to work. And that work is not just a means to an end, but rather an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to minister, an opportunity to show the love of Jesus to those around us. And for us as leaders, what we want to be able to do is provide for you as a church not only the tools and the means by which you can fulfill that call in your workplace, but also grant you opportunities to serve in other areas as well, whether it may be the workplace, whether it may be in the community, whether it be in the mission field. And with that, I would like to invite a very special guest who I I actually met today, but I met the, the the representative from the ministry. One person actually... When, when, when we saw the sister, first the response was, is this a friend of yours, Joe? Yeah, she's a sister in Christ. So yes, definitely. So could you please make our sister feel welcome? Lucretia, come forward. Wow. Um, yeah. Praise God. <laughs> Don't run away from me, man. Come, come back, come back. Come here, come here. I think that's, oh, Okay. Maybe that's the reason why the table was here. <laughs> <laughs> For you so, to hide behind. Um, get, I'm going to start off. I'm going to ask two very quick questions. Okay, awesome. Okay. I, I haven't prepped her for this. Uh, one, one. Um, can I ask uh, how long you've been a Christian for? Um, okay, so I had received the Lord Jesus into my heart at the age of 16. However, I only started serving the Lord Jesus um, six years ago. Six years ago. So Praise yes. God. Praise God. Uh, what church do you go to? I'm part of a ministry called Just Jesus Ministry in Mount Druitt. Very yes. nice. Very nice. And, and my, my, my last question, um, are you from a Christian home? Um, you could say that, but it's more like what I mean was like also um, part of my, I guess, life was a broken home as well. So when I grew up in church, I'm sure a lot of you guys may be familiar with this, grew up in church, but um, I didn't personally serve like God myself. Yep. Okay. Yep. Oh, so here, here's my really last question. Okay. Do you have a poly trolley? <laughs> I have no idea what a poly trolley oh, that was is. Not <laughs> you don't, yeah, does your family drive a van? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I'm yeah, one yeah, of yeah, six. Yeah, that's all I want to know. That's all I want to know. Okay. Uh, I have left you, sister. Wow, now I know what a poly trolley is. <laughs> praise God. Uh, praise God. Um, God is good, and I'm really familiar with the last minute, as the sisters were saying, uh, mentioning, and Pastor Joe as well. I was just like, wow, this is very last minute. But uh, I praise God, because um, God is the one that gets us to um, be ready in and out of season. So um, with that, I would like to share a scripture with you first. Um, It's in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I'll just give you a few seconds to grab it as well. And it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So sorry, this is the King James Version. I'm, sh- I'm sure in a, if I had advised our computer person there. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the reason why I got that is um, 
is that I believe like your daily relationship with the Lord, like you do die daily to yourself and like by God helps us in doing that. And so um, thank you, Jesus. So in saying that, um, my name is Lucretia. I'm from, um, I'm from a mission organization called InterCP. And I actually asked my team leader, what does InterCP stand for? <laughs> so I'm prepared a little bit. So <laughs> it stands for um, International Church Planting. So we're a mission organization that concentrates on a, um, a region of the world that's called the 1040 window. So I'm, I'm not sure if you're all familiar with the 1040 window, but it's, um, it's basically an area where it's the most unreached. So, and that's what we're focused on is reaching people who have never heard of, may have heard of the name of Jesus, but have never heard the gospel. And so a lot of these areas um, are Islamic. So I'm sure you've heard of like, you know, Turkey, um, there's also places like Morocco as well, you know, I recently came back from a short-term mission in August in Morocco where it's like 99% Islamic, and you know, in my mind I was thinking, Lord, like how do I even go to this place, like, you know, it's mainly Islamic, you never hear anything good in the news about, you know, a Islamic nation, well, I don't hear anything good, anything good on the, you know, about these countries, and so and because these people, because there are so many unreached people groups in this in this region, that's what that's that's the work that we do, is that we go out and what we do is we preach the gospel, the same gospel that we've all received is what we literally give out. So we're a non-denominational organisation, and so a lot of us, a lot of the staff that serve in InterCP, we um, we all have our own home churches, you know, whether it's in uh, yeah, so some are Presbyterian, some are non-denominational whether you're, but basically at the end of the day, you're Christian, you're a Christian church. So, um, and so just a little bit, so um, I, I would like to share my latest, I have gone on um, a couple of short-term missions out to, one to Turkey last year, and also recently to Morocco. And um, yes, they're mainly Islamic, but God is good. God is definitely doing a workout in, the, in these nations. I had like the privilege to like, meet people who have had dreams, but who don't understand that the dreams that they're having is about Jesus. And so it's such an honor to be used by God to go out and to share with people. And you know what you're doing is like, you're just giving them what you have. And what you have is life. And so even though they're in sad situations and whatnot, but God is greater than the situation. And what gives me hope is that our focus is not on this earth, it's an, inter it's an internal focus, do you know what I mean? And so um, I don't want to take too much, too much time, but I would like to show what we're doing <laughs> as well, is we, um, we have what's called a vision school, and we're all generational. It blows my mind because we also have children that go out to these nations as well, from children to youth to adults to older people as well. I was actually a part of it, the team that I was in, I was the youngest person in my team, we're part of an older team. The, the oldest person in the team was turning 70. And she had two walking sticks. And, you know, I was just like, oh, you just give me no excuse right now. You know? <laughs> Whatever excuse I had in my mind, this lady was just like with the two sticks. And I was like, you know what? If you're willing, God can use you. So that was awesome. I would like to show a short um, video on what God is doing out in the nations. It, it is a short one. Pastor, I think it's a couple of minutes. So, because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how much time you're giving me, mate. <laughs>
the love of many people are going cold. And uh, I think through vision school, more than anything else, I was really able to see and feel the love of God for the first time, even though I grew up uh, in church. I don't think I really understood the heart of God. And when I took vision school, it really changed my heart and it broke my heart. My heart broke for unreached people groups. I always tell people before vision school, I didn't know what God spent his time thinking about or what he is doing. God really showed me how little I knew about him. I saw and I experienced that God is bigger than I thought. The church is bigger than I thought. The church is meant to go out and preach this gospel to all the nations. Without understanding God's vision, we can't truly serve the church uh, in a way that is effective to complete the task that God has already prepared. My life is a lot different than before. I see God's heart. I see what he wants. My heart breaks for things that wouldn't have mattered to me before. It changes your perspective on everything. Your whole global vision for how you see the loss. A vision school really changed my entire paradigm of how I saw myself, what it means to live as a Christian, what it means to live in uh, the times that we live in today. This is the way to revival. God wants to send workers out so that the church in America will experience revival. You will learn about God's love for the nations, but through this, you will know how much God loves you. Love of the Father. He just opened my heart. Life-changing point. God has a vision. God has a dream. That's the great commission. Wherever he goes, I will go. And that is how I love him. It's a place of joy. So, um, also, if you could just... Bring up the slides, please. Just um, so being very last minute as well, coming to the, it's been an honor coming to the church as well. Um, we do offer vision school, and it's one of the I guess prerequisites before going out on short term missions. And um, for English speaking vision school, it actually starts next week. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. So um, so it actually starts next week. But again, um, really pray, and if you're interested or if you have further questions, please let me know. Um, it's such an honor to be here. Thank you. God bless you guys. Thank you very much for that, sister. Thank you very much. <laughs> What's really cool is Auntie Ng Hong just turned 70, and she has no walking sticks. Hey, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay, just, just saying. Okay. Now, uh, if you just want to join me in prayer... Because today's sermon is actually a little bit different, and we're not going to take too much time. So just join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for the work that you are doing globally. We thank you that you are looking to build your church that the gates of hell will not stand against. And that church is a global church. Father, may we have a kingdom vision. May we have a mindset that looks and sees the lost the way you see the lost. That has a heart that we as your church will have a heart that beats in time with yours. And Father, that you will grow us in our relationship with you. Please speak to us now, in Jesus' name, amen. So I mentioned this last week, but at the men's retreat, uh, I was talking with a brother, and he shared a couple of his goals, and a couple of those goals actually caused me to question certain things, even about my own spiritual journey. See, this brother shared about how that now he has achieved a wonderful life of comfort. 
that he now has financial security with a great job and a, a great opportunity to, to, to minister in his workplace, yes, but he's comfortable in that position. So he has financial security, he has job safety, he has a bunch of skills that will do him in any position that he'll go to. He, he's equipped for that. And this brother shared with me that he is so comfortable that his vision of Christian ministry, of his relationship with Jesus, is, is doing church, is doing Bible study, is attending prayer meeting. And when he shared that brutally honest answer with me, that caused me to look at even my own Christian life and what I prioritize as being truly valuable. Now, you may or may not resonate with that answer, but the challenge I put forward to you as we continue in this sermon series of work as worship is to look at the truths that you've been challenged with regarding how you prioritize your life and how you value your relationship with Jesus and what that actually does to change not only your heart, but your mindset regarding every relationship you share in your life, in your home, in your workplace, in your school, in your community. And so today's sermon is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be more of a devotional in regards to the challenge of for us to self-evaluate where we're at and what we truly value. For example, if you turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm going to look at two verses. This should only take not too long, but Paul, in writing to Timothy, gives this challenge and pointed exhortation that is just as applicable to you and I today that it was to Timothy back then. And this is what he has to say to Timothy. There we are. Chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. He says, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. There are three points I want to look at. I found this interesting today. This sign nowadays is now considered a white supremacist sign, which is absolutely ridiculous. I just want to, I don't know, it's got nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But there are three specific points I want us to look at today. Point number one, there is an invitation to fulfill a call. In verse three, it says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Join with me. There's an invitation that Paul gives to Timothy. Join with me. Why? Because to live a Christian life is not easy. We are told, once again in the book of Timothy, that yea, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's a fact. Why? Because you're living according to a standard that goes in direct contradiction to what this world promotes, where the world promotes sex and pornography and a hedonistic lifestyle. If it feels good, do it. We live according to a set of values that says holiness, righteousness, charity, purity, which flies in the face of everything what the world stands for. And if you're going to live that way, we are told, well, you're going to suffer for that. So Paul invites, that's the first thing, he says, join with me. There's an invitation to join in that suffering. Why? Because you're a soldier. 
a soldier of Christ Jesus. We are told by Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 that we are in what? A spiritual warfare. We are battling for the souls of men and women and children globally. And as a soldier, you are going to encounter opposition. So that's the first thing that Paul gives here, an invitation to fulfill a call. Secondly, there is an instruction on how to fulfill one's call. And what is that? He says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled with civilian affairs. You know what that means? It means about being focused. It means about having first things first. It's about prioritizing what really is valuable as opposed to what is not. Case in point. Now, I've never been in a war. I've never had, never had to take up a weapon to fight someone else. Well, you know, not legally or anything like that. But that's the closest thing I can do when I played rugby. When I'm playing rugby, I know, I know every illustration is a sports illustration. I apologize for that. But when I'm playing a game, you have Jono who plays basketball. You have Calvin who fights I should use this here. You have Calvin who fights. You have, you have Jirel who plays computer games. But, actually, actually you've got all you guys that do gaming, yeah. But, but here, here's what's interesting. When you're in the midst of the game, you're not thinking about, like when I was playing rugby, not once did it ever cross my mind, I wonder if I did my washing. Not once. And don't think to yourself, you don't do washing, Joe. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay, not once do you think about that, do you? When, you? when you're about the game and the task that's at hand, not once do you think whether the iron is done, whether the oven was left on, whether the heater was left running or anything like that. Why? Because you're concerned with the task at hand. So if I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ, then the invitation or the instruction is this, not to be concerned with the affairs of civilian life. Now, I'm not saying don't be involved with working hard. I'm not saying don't be involved in having a job or trying to attain certain goals in your career. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is to make sure that your goals and your job and your leisure activities, all of those things are looked at in the right perspective of your call as a soldier of Christ Jesus. That that's placed into that context. Does that make sense? So that's the instruction. Lastly, there is an informing, the information as to why you're to obey that call in verse 4, that he tries to please his commanding officer. Now, I have read in various historical books about some of the greatest leaders within military history. And I have read about how certain people will set the standard in order to inspire their followers to follow them, their soldiers to follow them that they will set the standard, that they, that they show that they have the intelligence of, of how to handle the battle that's in front of them, that they have the ability and the capacity to get the job done. And the reason why they have that ability to lead, the ability to fulfill, the ability to achieve the task that needs to be done, that inspires within the soldiers, I will follow this person wherever they call me to go. Our Lord Jesus Christ never asks of us anything that he is not willing to do himself. Our Lord Jesus Christ took upon himself the form of a servant, we are told. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life. You read how he overcomes the temptations in Matthew chapter 4. You read how he, how he encounters various hypocritical Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day in John chapter 8, and puts them in their place. You read how he was a friend to children, a friend to the outcast. You read about all of these things, and then you read about his death and his crucifixion when he took upon himself my sin and your sin so that we might be made pure and righteous in him. And you read about how he conquered death. You read about he has the capacity to get the job done. And when you read that, and he asks of me, Joe, will you go? Joe, will you do? My response, inspired by him, is to say, here am I, Lord, send me. Now, here's the thing. You and I know, this, this, these two verses talk about our focus. And, and I can say confidently that my focus is, is not this. It is not this. Not all the time. And I think I can identify with, with you as well. I think you can identify with me. Because you know better than anyone else that life is busy. You know the voices that seek to crowd out the voice of God. So the voice of God that says, be still, that gets crowded out with today's mindset and today's voices, which says, get going. And it crowds that out. We would be wise to heed the words of Paul's counsel here because the description of a soldier implies busyness, yes. It implies conflict, yes. It implies preparedness on our behalf, yes. The role of being a soldier of Jesus Christ is all of those things. But we must always offset these truths with these three realities we find in Scripture. One, the battle is the Lord's. Two, we have victory in Christ. Three, we are on the winning side. But, now here's what, there's always the but with us, isn't there? There's always the but. But, irrespective of the presence of these truths, the enemy, Satan, clouds our ability to clearly see God and what he is doing through the myriad of distractions that surround us. The distractions of pleasure or pain, the distractions of pride or inadequacies, the distractions of doubt or self-reliance, the distractions of busyness or laziness. There are numerous ways the enemy seeks to take our eyes off Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and place it upon our immediate obstacle. And, and that is, is our failure. That is, that is our, that's our tripping up to allow these things to, to shield our vision of our God. I think I just turned it off. There we are. So, distractions of life are a tool. I think I put that up there. Distractions of life are a tool that, thank you, Satan uses to take our focus of God's work. Now, all of you were given a piece of paper. This is what I want you to do. And this is where the self-evaluation, if you haven't got given a piece of paper, can you, Craig, can you hand it? Who does not have a little piece of paper? I only have six pens. If you have a pen, if you need a pen, here's one here. 
I remember Seth Hilton. Seth Hilton was a godly man who started Kiwi Ranch back in New Zealand. And he said, you should have a pen. You should be taking notes. If you don't have a pen and not taking notes, I've got a pen here. So if you're at the back and you said, I need a pen, he would throw one at you. He'd go, here you go. The amount of people he hit, he's terrible throw. It's a terrible shot. Okay. Okay. Now, this is what I want you to do on that piece of paper. This is where the devotional side of things come up. I want you to write down. I want you to write down on that piece of paper. You don't have to show anybody. But I want you to write down on that piece of paper a distraction or distractions that prevent you. And this is what I really love about Jono leading this morning. He didn't know we were doing this today, but he, he spoke perfectly as to what I'm going to do right now. And I, I praise God for speaking to Jono's heart through this. But I want you to write down, what is, what is that distraction in your life that prevents you and your devotion and your commitment to your Savior? What is the burden that you've taken on board that prevents you from fully committing yourself and going, here am I, Lord, send me? What is the hindrance that is preventing you from serving God effectively and wholly? And I want you to write that down. I want you to write that down. You don't have to show anybody. You can write it down. You can fold it up. You can write it down, and you can fold it up. But we all have these sorts of things. We all have these hindrances. On my piece of paper, you know what on my piece of paper, you know what that would be? On my piece of paper, if I was to write that down, my piece of paper would be my inadequacies. I would write my inadequacies. Now, you might sit there and say, Joe, there is no way you're inadequate. I know I may look like that. You don't have to laugh. It's the hair, yeah. My, my inadequacy, I have no hair. Okay? So, but here, here's the reality. My, my inadequacies, and, and what's really interesting with my inadequacies is that I find, even now, I will find myself measuring myself up to other people. As, as a leader, as a husband, or as a father, just as a guy in general. And I find that whenever I look at other people, my automatic thing is to criticize well, Joe, you're just, you're just not good enough. You're just not good enough. Now, you can do one of three things with these birds. Let, let's say these pieces of paper are rocks. We can do one of three things with rocks. One, Julie's spot on. We can throw it at others. So I can take my inadequacies, and because I am inadequate and I consider myself inadequate, I can cast my stone at other people to make them feel inadequate so I feel better. Because I find my inadequacies define who I am. That's what I can do. It might be, it might be, something. It might be your career. It might be your career. You look at your career and you hold on to that and that is your burden and everything's devoted into that at the cost of your family, at the cost of your service within church at the cost of, of evangelizing those who don't know Jesus, at the cost of, I'm going to put a mission trip aside because I need to work. It could be a, a hurt that someone has caused you in the past, and you can throw this at somebody else as well. So you can do one of three things. You can, you can throw it at other people. Second thing you do, you can shove it down in your pocket and hold on to it and let it fester. And you know what happens? you start evaluating everything everybody else does by what you're holding on to. It becomes a burden. 
So when someone says, so Kerry might come and say something to me and say, hey, Joe, hey, Joe, you said this today. And because I feel inadequate, I automatically interpret what she says, which would have been fine as an attack on my character and the fact that I'm inadequate. That's what we do, isn't it? So we can either, we can either one, we can either throw it at others, we can hold on to it where it becomes a burden and might cause a bit of a limp and might hold us back. You don't know. But it's there. Or, we are told, you can give it up to Jesus. You, you give it up to your God. As John O'Shea today, he who died for you to set you free from such burdens, from such hindrances, from such restrictions. Now, I always remember when the brother did this. I mean, I want you all to do this. Whatever you've written down, you can do this. And this is what we do. This is what we do. This is a picture of what we can do uh, with, with, our, with our rocks, with our burdens, with our distractions. I want you to take your paper in two hands, and I want you to present it, arms straight, up in the air. Now, this is what we do. Leave it. No, no, not down. I want it up. You want it up. With arms high and heart abandoned. Arms high. Not like this. Up. Up. Keep it there. Keep it there for as long as you can because you know what will happen? After a few minutes, while you're holding your hands up there, your shoulders will start to burn. You will find this piece of paper getting heavier and heavier and heavier. You will find that you will need a support of some sort. That's what you'll find that you're going to end up doing. Some of, you, some of your shoulders are burning already. But see, this is what happens. This is what we do with our God. We present on our terms and say, God, here it is. Here it is. But we never really let go. Do we? You can put your hands down if you want. If you want to prove a point, you can give your hands up, which is what Isabel and Alyssa are doing right now. But we are told within the Scriptures some wonderful, wonderful truths. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's not about just holding it up there, but not letting go. It's about bringing it to the foot of the cross, laying it at the feet of your Savior, and say, Lord, take this from me. We are told in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, we are told that we are to what? Cast all our care upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. Now, the, the wine and the bread represents the body and the blood of our Savior. The work that he has done on the cross to take away these very things that we hold to. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray. I want you, whatever it is that you wrote there, you don't have to show anybody if you don't want to. If you do, that is fine as well, because we're even told in Scripture that what? That to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So you might have something there that's private. Go to a brother or a sister that you trust and say, please pray for me about this. This is something that I'm holding on to, and I want to release to the Lord. 
Go, go to someone else. And then both the, I want, I want you guys with your pieces of paper that after you pray and you seek your God, I want you to bring your paper, place it here, fold it up, and leave it to the Lord. Leave it to the Lord. And then after everybody's put their piece of paper here, I'm going to cover it because that's exactly what our Savior has done with our sin. Now, I want, uh, before I ask you to start praying and, and coming up here and leaving, after you've, I want to pray, but before I do that, don't do, don't do what the farmer's son did. Farmer had a prize rooster, won like four competitions in his community. He bought his rooster to the big smoke and he even won. Okay, like, the dad loved this rooster. His son, on his 17th birthday, got given a ute because he's a farmer. He says to his son, if you're going to head out, that's fine, son. Be back before sundown. Son goes out with his friends. He's driving around. He's having fun. He's coming back. He's realized it's going to sundown. I'm going to be late. He canes it back. He comes in through the gate, slides because it's dirt, dirt driveway, goes through a pen and destroys the prize rooster. He comes out, looks up, and his dad's standing on the front porch. And his dad's mortified. My rooster. So the son goes around the front, scrapes the rooster off the front of his car, takes it up to his dad and says, Dad, I'm so sorry. I know how much you love the prize rooster. Please forgive me. And the dad says, it's fine, son. I forgive you. Go to the shed, get a shovel, bury the rooster out the back. So his son goes, gets the shovel, goes to the back, buries the rooster. Next day, he goes out and spends some time. He comes back. As he's driving through the driveway again, he remembers what happened to the rooster. He's like, oh. Felt so bad. So he gets a shovel, goes back, digs up the rooster again, cleans it all up, goes back to his dad and says, Dad, I was feeling so bad about what I did, so guilty. Can you please forgive me about what I did to your rooster? Dad goes, it's all right. I've already forgiven you. It's fine. Go and bury the rooster. It's okay. So the son does that. Next week, he goes out, comes back, comes through the driveway, and he's racked with guilt. So he goes back to the shed, gets a shovel. Now, you might sit there and think, what an idiotic kid. That's something Joe would do. But this is what we do with the things that we are giving to our God, that which we have been forgiven of. We come back over and over again. I'm not saying, like, we are given that provision in 1 John 1, 9, that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But we now have the freedom in Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you leave this at the feet of the cross, it's covered by his blood. He doesn't bring it up. We do. So whatever it is that's holding you back, whatever the distractions are, whatever the burdens you seek to carry, this is when you release to God and bring it before him now. I would encourage you to find someone to pray for. I'm going to pray now. And before you leave here, please bring your paper here. Leave it at the feet of the cross and then head on out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the blessing of your son, Jesus Christ, and what he has done for us on the cross. Father, we all have our burdens. We all have our distractions. We have all these things within our lives that take our focus from you. And I pray you will help us to lay this at your feet, to release it, to trust you and accept the forgiveness that you've given us in your son, Jesus Christ. 
and to be confident in the newness of life that you have given us. Father, help us. Help us to devote our whole beings to you the way you devoted your whole being for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joyce is just going to play a little something. But yeah, I would, I would love for you to come bring your burden. Lay it here. No one else will read it. And then you can hit off for morning tea.